you need to know what you want to hire and then you need to understand how to ask questions to be able to get the candidates to talk about their key achievements and you be able to assess is what they want to do in line with what we want to have achieved. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Hi, Brad. Hello, Richard. Nice to see you again. <laughs> Lovely to see you. And I think today we're talking about tips and tricks for employers who are interviewing for uh, roles within their business. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this question has, has occurred to me. Like a, We see a lot of tips out there on candidates having interview skills. Mm. But I often wonder whether the people who are actually doing the interviews have, have the right skills. So I was curious to, to quiz you on what are the things that uh, HR people and employers need to know when they're employing candidates? Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it is a very good question. And the reality is that I'd suggest that the majority of people are not good at interviewing because it's not their core skill set. Uh, they are excellent at being an engineer or being a uh, a property developer or being uh, a banker and they're promoted into leadership roles and then as a leader they're required to interview people for their team um, and often those people will think well because I'm good at my job it means that I'm good at interviewing people to do my job and uh, and that's obviously not the case and I think that uh, a lot of HR um, uh, professionals uh, are good at a broad range of their HR responsibilities, but interviewing uh, to do well is um, is difficult and uh, and something that I think everybody can learn some new ways to improve the way that they interview. Um, we have predominantly based our recruitment methodology on Lou Adler's performance-based hiring, which I've mentioned before, and the underpinning of a good interview is to firstly make sure that the role has been briefed very thoroughly and is clearly articulating what are the key deliverables of the role. Um, and the example that I've used before, uh, apologies if you've heard this before, is an organisation that's wanting to recruit a salesperson. Uh, they uh, have a position description which you know, is a typical PD that outlines the roles, the role, the responsibilities, the key attributes, etc. Uh, and largely, let's say it's three different companies with three similar vacancies and they've all got very similar position descriptions. But we say to one organisation, okay, well, what's the key deliverables for the first three months? And they say, well, look, our prior sales manager was a terrible, terrible boss. You know, the staff were, you know, really uh, managed very poorly. Um, we have grave concerns about retention. We've invested substantively in, you know, training these people. We can't afford to lose them. So the first three months is we want the sales manager to throw their arms around their team, 
show them lots of love, give them a big cuddle, rebuild the, uh, the vision and the culture within the team and then move forward from there. Second organisation says, look, we want to launch a new product into a new market. Uh, we're excited about this new product, but we don't really know where the opportunity is. We want this person to go out, analyse the market, look for the low-hanging fruit, develop a sales strategy, have that strategy approved by the board and then implement. We would like to believe we can achieve a minimum of another $2 million of revenue within 12 months. Third company says, uh, we are under massive pressure from imports from India and China. Uh, we are very concerned that if we don't reduce our costs of goods sold by at least 25%, then uh, we're in big trouble. So we need somebody who can really look at the ways that we can carve out costs to remain competitive. So same sales manager, same position description, three similar businesses, but obviously very three different um, uh, requirements in terms of key deliverables. So where this becomes a problem is that if employers haven't really had a true consideration of what they need, and I know that mostly they don't because having gone in to do these performance profiles over and over again and asking the employer what do you need delivered, and they, them essentially saying, I don't know, I'm not really sure, um, they may interview a candidate who is an amazing sales manager um, and they employ them and then they go, wow, like why, why hasn't this person um, performed in this role? They've failed. Because they didn't really understand what they needed. Let's say that they had understood it and they knew that they needed costs of goods sold reduced by 25%. And they'd asked the candidate, you know, tell us about a key achievement in your recent career you're really proud of. And that candidate said, I launched a new product into a new market and it was very successful. Um, if they had known what they needed and asked the right question and elicited that response, they would have been able to say, this sales manager candidate could be great, but they're not great for our role. They're great at launching new products into new markets. We need reduction in costs of goods sold. So, you know, coming back to the question, you need to know what you want to hire and then you need to understand how to ask questions to be able to get the candidates to talk about their key achievements and you be able to assess is what they want to do in line with what we want to have achieved. Another really good thing to do, which Lou Adler talks about, is that at the beginning of an interview, within the first few minutes, you form an assessment about the candidate as to whether you like them or not. So if you, if first few minutes you say you like them, then at the top of the interview form, you just draw a little plus, and then for the next half an hour, as you're asking questions, you're looking for evidence as to why not to like them. And at the end of the 30 minutes, you can say, do I still really like them or not? Or vice versa. If you meet them and in the first few minutes, you go, I don't really like this person. Then for the next 30 minutes, you look for evidence to try and make you like them. And then at 30 minutes, you decide, well, do I still not like them or not? Because often our initial intuitive reaction to people is good, but also very often it's not good.
And if somebody comes in and your immediate reaction is, I don't like this person, um, if you don't have some kind of tool to help you to really investigate, is this actually true, then the likelihood is that that person's not going to get a good interview and you're not going to hire them, even though they may potentially be the best candidate for the role. Um, and then finally, I think it's important to have some kind of assessment tool that you can utilise once you leave the interview uh, to essentially record your thoughts about the candidate's competencies across a range of uh, factors. Um, and particularly if you're doing it as part of a panel interview, uh, each time an interview um, concludes, you can independently rate the candidate against a number of um, criteria and then at the end of the interviews um, have a conversation about your various ratings and weightings and, and come up with a preferred candidate. And a lot of these tools are available in Lou Adler's book, uh, Hire With Your Head, which I would definitely recommend uh, any hiring manager read uh, who are about to go through a recruitment process. Right, okay. So you mentioned there the, the process of liking or disliking someone. Uh, we, we, we saw the thing in the news recently where Amazon, they tried to use AI yep. as a screening process and it turns out that all the data that it was using, it had a built-in bias because people's personal biases were put in there. Does that process that you just described overcome that? Like, if, do you, is it something that someone needs to be really conscious of when they're going into an interview? I think as an employer, it's important to be very conscious of those things. Um, I think people have natural biases, or biases, or whatever, how you pronounce it, uh, that are just um, uh, inherent parts of their personality. Uh, if by becoming conscious of those, then you can do something about it. You know, um, uh, another thing that gets talked about is the halo effect. You know, so. Um, uh, you're on a panel interview and one of the guys in the pianos, panel says, oh, you're really going to like our next candidate, Mary, she's awesome. And then you go, oh, okay, well, I, and that automatically um, uh, uh, predisposes you. you to give her, you know, um, you know, better consideration. Or, you know, somebody walks in and they dress like you, they walk like you, they talk like you. You know they're part of your clan. Um, you know that's groupthink, right? And uh, you know, I remember I used to recruit in the property development industry, and as soon as I saw a candidate walking in in chinos, a Ralph Lauren long sleeve shirt, and Aaron Williams, you know it's like, okay, you're a property developer, and you can almost to the point you can go, you're a property developer with Mervac, versus you're a property developer <laughs> with Stockland, right? The uniform. That's right. You know. Um, Birds of a feather flock together, but group things not is not a good thing. Um, so if you are conscious of it, then you can make some choices to try and override some of that um, uh, subconscious sort of um, considerations. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, even from a point of view of you know, if you've got views about age or race or sexuality or whatever it might be. Um, the reality is in the current environment, uh, you need to be extremely careful that you don't let your preconceptions about any of those things in any way taint your ability to run mm -hmm. a 
you know, a good quality interview. Um, so yeah, I think being um, uh, having some basic tools like like or don't like mm-hmm. um, make a big difference. Right. But I imagine for some people, like especially if you're an HR professional and you're doing interviews, you know, every day or, or mm. several times a week, do they get? Is is there a risk that they get to the point where the, the interview process becomes a bit blasé, um, and they kind of take the whole process for granted? Oh, for sure. I would say that that is definitely the case, and I think it would also be the case that um, uh, we have an internal HR person who's running a process. And the line manager is not uh, particularly engaged with the process. You know, in situations where the candidate shows up and the line manager, you know, is 20 minutes late. Or the line manager takes a phone call in the middle of the interview or they're pulling out their phone and they're checking their messages. There's all kinds of behaviour, which um, uh, not only is not good in terms of getting a, a great interviewing result mm. but you know in terms of how you're perceived as an employer of choice yeah. and how that candidate goes back out into the market and talks about their experience mm. um, you know there's courtesy and uh, uh, I mean as simple as being able to ask intelligent questions you know the number of times employers will bring somebody in for an interview and then they talk for 55 minutes and at the end you know, ask the candidate two questions. Mm. Um, they're, they're, they're all very common behaviours that are very easy to uh, repair or, you know, uh, avoid if people have got some basic education around how to interview properly. Right. Um, your comment there about a line manager just brings up for me are there situations where HR takes on too much responsibility in terms of the interview process and not involve the actual department that, that, the, that the candidate's going to be hired into? Does that happen much or, or do they generally involve them in the interview early? Oh, look, you know, it's like most uh, uh, environments. If you're in an environment and you've got sales and operations, the salespeople go, oh, bloody hell, the operations people, they can't deliver. Um, you know what we sell and the operations people go oh the sales people you know they always over promise you know uh, and there's this constant tug of war it's the same thing um, line managers will say oh HR you know they can never give me the quality of talent that I need and HR will say oh line managers they can't even give us a proper brief yeah. uh, um, but I you know so you have a situation where some internal HR people have got to take a really strong hand because they know if it's left up to the the line manager, it's just going to become a, um, a train wreck of a process. Right. Uh, and then there are other line managers who don't want that. They want to have control of their own process. They don't trust HR. Um, uh, you've got some organisations where HR and recruitment is centralised. You've got other organisations where each individual department, you know, um, runs its own recruitment process. Um, you know, there's just, there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, every organisation has their own unique spin on it. Um, and some do it well and a lot don't do it very well at all. Right, okay. So the interview process or the recruitment process, obviously that doesn't end when the candidate leaves the interview room. Are there mistakes that employers make in terms of that, that post-interview process? 
look, I, I think that uh, um, if you're doing panel interviews, you know, uh, as is often the case in a panel, if there's you know a particularly strong-minded person who's got the ability to you know, circumvent a discussion to suit their own agenda, then that's always a concern. Um, also, you know, the ability to have an intelligent, rational consideration of candidates and make sure each person is measuring each candidate in a similar way. So using, you know, a, a tool to help that can be very useful. But I think more often than not, you know, uh, how these situations um, uh, fail is that the line manager you know, the, the candidates interviewed uh, and then they never get any feedback. Right. Or the, you know, the, the suddenly there's a more pressing, urgent, you know, situation within the business and so before you know it, three weeks have gone by, right. a candidate's been interviewed, they're sitting out there wondering what the hell's going on right. um, and they have no awareness as to where, am I still part of this process or am, am I out of the process? Um, I think that you know there are organisations who are recruiting very senior people based on one interview only, and uh, you know we definitely encourage our clients to have uh, a series of interviews, um, and even potentially take a candidate out for dinner or for lunch, or just see them in a different environment um, to try and get a good sense of if they're a good fit. Uh, we definitely recommend psychometric testing for senior executives. Um, in other words, they're being tested against their peers across industry for verbal, um, verbal, numerical and abstract reasoning and personality testing. We recommend that they have uh, formal verification checks around qualifications, um, uh, work history, criminal background, uh, financial you know, background. These are all relatively inexpensive things to do, and yet a lot of organisations just can't be bothered. Um, and then, of course, you know, doing very good comprehensive reference checks. Uh, you know, that is critically important uh, to making a successful hire. So there are a lot of things that need to be done well, um, and they need to be done by somebody that can be trusted to manage that process successfully. Right, and if someone's hiring you not just for your head out of the shortlist, but for a full recruitment, do you oversee some of those processes? All, all of it. All, right. Yeah, so it's fully comprehensive. Uh, once we've delivered our telephone interview shortlist, we would agree with the client as to who of those candidates they wish us to interview face-to-face. -face. We do a face-to-face -face interview. We coordinate the client-candidate interviews. Uh, we will coordinate psychometric testing, verification checks, uh, we will do the reference checks, manage the offer, which can be very challenging also. We talked in an earlier mm. podcast about salary negotiation, and then we provide a 12-month replacement guarantee. So if the candidate leaves for any reason within 12 months, other than redundancy, we'll replace them at no charge. Right, very good. Well, well, hopefully, well, not hopefully. I'm sure that will be useful for some of the uh, some of the listeners out there who do do the interviewing and who even get interviewed from time to time. So, Richard, thank you once again for sharing your wisdom. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Arate Podcast with Richard Trix. 
We frequently feature guests from organisations we are currently recruiting to build the company brand as an attraction strategy for candidates. If you would like to promote your organisation's brand as an employer of choice, please contact Richard directly on 0403 588 517 or via email richardt at arateexecutive.com.au. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.